Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from our favorite movies, TV, and media. This is Jennifer, she, her, hers. I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And today we are doing something a little different, but just kind of as nerdy. I think definitely as nerdy as we are diving into the world of Greek mythology and the stories that kind of define stories in a lot of ways in the sense that like so many of the Greek myths are inspirations and story arcs and heroes journeys for so many of modern media stories oh yeah I've actually got a really good one about this one that I just learned recently but uh if I I mean I could do it real quick yeah um so the story of Pandora we all know the story of Pandora woman opens box box lets all the bad stuff out into the world except and then at the bottom is hope um that story takes place before the creation of most of the earth. And she is mm-hmm. in this little place that is like a garden of Eden. Yeah. Not the same words, but basically the same imagery. Mm-hmm. And a woman dooms humanity to yes. the bad stuff through cool. her own actions. What? Yeah. All the stories of all the creationisms are all the same in different languages? What? No way. Yeah, uh, super, super cool. Like ideal. I, I like reading that was like, oh, so that's where they got that. That's where they like, got it, that. It's from. literally the same story, except uh, it's got a box instead of an apple. Right? Super cool. I almost did Pandora for this episode. I love Pandora. It's a cool story. I've yeah. been using the Pandora's box metaphor with clients, too. Where it's like when everything is shitty, what's at the bottom? Yeah. It's hope. Turns out oh. all that's left is hope. All that's left is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Right, so we're diving into Greek mythologies and all the fun, because they're you know what was so hard about this episode was picking a character because they're so well adjusted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so many of them are just totally fine. They don't need therapy at all, especially the gods. The gods are great. They're they're just no doing issues. whatever they need to do. Right, no issues. But um, before I get to know you, question because I'm not thinking of it right now on the spot. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up knowing the greek mythologies very well like that wasn't my family's like thing and i know like so often like you either know the greek mythologies or you don't you know these stories and archetypes or you don't so i'm gonna take like an adjacent get to me question one of did you grow up with these stories and myths as a part of like your family's story times and if not what did you grow up with Sure, sure, sure. All right, so we're going to start with shout out to my good friend Rick Riordan, who is the author of the Percy Jackson series. I am <laughs> rereading the series right now. Well, I finished the first series of five books, and I'm going to get to the second series of five books, but I had a bit of a to-read list going on. This, uh, my to-read list on my bedside table is very tall, so I <laughs> needed to work through some other books before I can get there. Um, but I, I am working on rereading that series, and I was reading that series, the original five, as they were coming out. So that kind of is where my knowledge of greek mythology started Mm -hmm. and then being a theater kid you know like greek theater is a huge thing that we still talk about we still experience and uh it's hilarious because the greeks wrote plays and plays and plays and plays and plays and we've got like maybe 10 of them 15 of them um that's as many as have survived um so it's really cool to look at that as like the birthplace of theater and Mm -hmm. you know looking through it that way um yeah it's a good time i'm a big fan uh as far as like family not really um 
like it's weird because you talk about mythology and what we're really talking about is ancient Greek religion, but we refer to it as mythology. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really funny to me because my brain just goes, no, my family was was Catholic. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. We, uh, but even then, we weren't necessarily super strict followers. We were what uh, what we would be called East Easter Christmas Catholics or EC mm -hmm. Catholics show up for the big holidays and then throughout the year, you know, don't. Um, and you know, I, I had my own personal experience with the church where I decided I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. Um, that happened when I was an adult though. So before that, it was mostly just like, you know, stuff here and there. Um, but I, I think school, when we started reading about some of the ancient Greek plays, because I think in one of my English classes, we read like Antigone. I was in honors English. So we, Antigone we read stuff like, like that. the, um, Oedipus. Yeah. Um, Oedipus Rex. Iliad. Uh, Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I the like Odyssey is a, still required reading for a high school. Greek, like, unit. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Of, like, Which, ancient history, English, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I, I just, uh, just out of curiosity, something that blew my mind that it's one of my, uh, one of my clients said, I won't explain who the client is or give you any context around it. But when, I, we were talking about ancient Greek stuff and the client was like, when you really think about it, the Odyssey is the end game of ancient Greek literature. Mm -hmm. All of the heroes come together and they go on a journey together and fight off this evil thing. The evil mm -hmm. thing being the Trojan War. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about stories being cyclical. Uh, it's kind of interesting idea, but I just wanted to bring that to you because I knew you would enjoy that. That is that, cool. I like that, that association as well. Um, but what about you? How how did Greek mythology enter your life? Uh, honestly, probably not till high school. Um, with learning about, like, obviously, I grew up with grandparents in the home. TMC was always on. There was probably the classic black and white, like Oedipus, yeah. on in the background. But yeah, like, I grew Clash up, of the Titans, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I grew up more with like the fairy tales and like mm -hmm. the classic stories that way. Of like you know brother scrim and uh mother gooses and that mythology quote unquote um but for me it definitely wasn't till high school and tyler correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the play is called metamorphosis and metamorphosis i i remember yeah, I so. like a contemporary greek style play that would have all the stories and i could be getting the name of that play wrong um uh, but, i'm looking it up right now give me a second i don't know I, we did a play in high school i could be thinking of a different play name wise and attaching it to this play but uh, i remember learning a lot about the the greek myths from that show my freshman year um and then i have not read any of the percy jacksons though i have them now because you all are reading them <laughs> i need to read them as well but for me like doing this topic was one of the more challenging ones because I was like I don't know what to pick <laughs> and then I got to do some fun research about how messed up they all are yeah they all they all need therapy really we could we yeah. could do Greek mythology for the rest of the life of this podcast and still have mm -hmm. characters to talk about <laughs> which means we'll have to do a sequel at some point yeah and you know someone out there correct me about what play I'm thinking of I don't think it's metamorphosis. It's not the metamorphosis. <laughs> That's the one about the kid who drowns himself. I think that was just as depressing. But there is no. a Greek one out there. No, the metamorphosis is the is the salesman who turns into a cockroach. 
No, it's a different one then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm making stuff up, apparently. Tyler, well, I think you have something a new in client. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, this client is telehealth only. Um, that's because my client is trapped in on an island somewhere. Um, my client is Calypso. Calypso is a character from the Odyssey. Um, she is a nymph and the daughter of Atlas, dude who holds the sky up on his back. Big fan. Except in the Percy Jackson books where he's a big evil meanie. Um, I think he's actually a big evil meanie in the mythology as well. But don't. this isn't about him. We're here to talk about Calypso. Um, so Calypso is an immortal nymph. She is heterosexual, heteroflexible. Uh, heterosexual as far as we know from the myth. I put heteroflexible in because I I have a theory and I'll get to it. Um, and then uh, cisgender female. Uh, so the reason I say heteroflexible is because her curse is that she is cursed to fall in love with heroes who wash ashore on her island. It does not specify that those heroes are dudes. Um, so, you know, we see her experiencing this with Odysseus, uh, who is a dude. But if Odysseus was Odyssea and washed up and was a woman, it's quite possible that that would still happen. Like, I don't know. Uh, and also, Greeks in general had a different idea around sexuality than we do. So, you know, looking at it from this perspective, it's like, eh, heteroflexible is probably accurate. If a hero washed up and it was a female hero, I have a feeling she would have the same curse. The curse would befall her anyway. Right. Um, and you know they mm -hmm. they do them in a lot more liberal ways, and that's good for them. Yeah, hey, we love that for them. Um, but that's going to be what we're talking about is this curse that she has because she is cursed to have people come to her island, spend time with her. She falls in love with them, and then they leave. That's her curse. That is what the gods have cursed her existence to be. Um, and far be it from me to you know mess around with the gods' design. I'm going to definitely get a lightning bolt by doing therapy with this client. But you know what? She needs help. She really does. And part of it is just processing heartbreak, processing the ending of relationships, processing what that stuff looks like so that she's not taken aback by the feelings when they do come up. Because as far as we know, this curse is going to continue to happen. And so it's it's normal to be sad, right? It's normal to feel hurt. It's normal to experience these things when people come and you fall for them and then they leave your life. That's a normal experience. Yes, she's a cursed being, and that's like really the only thing she does. She's on this island, she gardens, and she falls in love with people. But in our human lives, we have that happen too, whether it's relationships breaking up or friendships breaking up. Like stuff happens where people leave our, our lives, and it's normal to feel sad and to feel pain and to feel grief about that. And to start there, right? Just start talking about those experiences. What was it like for you? How difficult was it for you? What did you feel? What did you feel in your body? What did you feel emotionally? All the normal questions we ask when we're starting to build emotional awareness, acceptance, and insight. And just helping her understand this a little bit more. So when it does come up, she's not going, oh, no, it's going to kill me. This heartbreak, it's so bad. Instead, she's just like, yep, been here before. This sucks. I don't like this, but hey, what else am I going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go garden, right? Uh, and that is that is basically act theory in a nutshell. You go from emotional acceptance to emotional insight to commitment to behavior, and the behavior is finding something to do with yourself. So for her, it's, you know, hey, go work on your garden. Your garden is lovely and wonderful, and that's super great. That all is fine. 
I feel like I'm not going to get a, a lightning bolt for that. The part that I'm going to get a lightning bolt for is the next bit. I want to help her understand her value as a person outside of romantic relationships. That would be my goal as a therapist. I don't think that that is a goal she would come in with or generate on her own. But it would be one that I would introduce to her. Because she is coming in saying, this heartbreak thing sucks and I'm cursed and it's never going to stop. And it's like, okay, but what if instead of searching for you know loving others and finding meaning that way, we find meaning in a different way. And we find meaning in ourselves and in, our, in the things we enjoy. And in between heroes coming to your island, you can live a fulfilling full life even without the need for a partner or the need for somebody coming along. Now, there are pros and cons of that, uh, as there are of everything. And there are certain things that can't get met, certain needs that can't get met because of that. And we'll talk through that and talk through the emotions that come up about that. So that part we would talk through. And I'm being upfront about it because we're therapists. We talk about this kind of stuff. And we haven't brought this topic up on here in a while. And talking about that with boundary, right? But then also talking about this idea of what does a romantic relationship mean to you? What are you, you know, when these people come to your island, what is it about them that you are like, oh, I need to find this in somebody else? What is the trait you are looking for in somebody else? When instead you can start building those traits for you, right? You can start feeling more powerful in your own skin. You can, you know, you're on an island by yourself. You're going to need to fill the time anyway. Go garden, teach yourself how to, you know, knit. Go, you know, hunt some animals if that's your deal. Uh, if you're vegan, that's cool too. Grow more stuff in your garden. Like, you know, figure out what you can do to feel better and what you can do to keep yourself busy and lead a life that feels good to you, regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not. And that's honestly when people come in to see me and they say, like, I really want a relationship. I really want to date somebody. The advice I give them is the one sports reference I know, which is if you build it, they will come. You have to have a life that feels fulfilling and full for you. And then it will be open for a partner to come in and say, hey, wow, this is really, I love what you've done with the place. This is really cool. Can I hang out for a little while? Right? Rather than expecting a partner to come in and, and fulfill your life magically. It doesn't work like that. And instead, you got to live your life for you. And if somebody comes along and goes, wow, this place is awesome. You're a good person. I enjoy this. Perfect. Awesome. Great. If not, that's okay, too. You can live a fulfilled life without all that stuff. And let's talk about how to do that. And truly, the answer to that is what makes you happy? What makes you feel content? What makes you feel satisfied? Is it the work that you do? Is it the hobbies you pursue? Is it the stories you tell, the things you create? Like, what is it for you? Calypso as a person that makes you feel good in your life. And that would be our main focus in therapy once we introduce that goal to her. How do you navigate your needs? How do you figure out what your needs are? And how can you live a life that feels fulfilling to you with this curse in place? And that would be our time. Absolutely. Um, if you want a non-sports related metaphor, and I 100% stole this off a comedian on Netflix. Uh -huh. um, uh, the so often in life we're taught that whole missing piece phenomenon on find the person who fulfills your missing piece in life and they yes. will make you a complete person bullshit um you <laughs> are a beautiful complete puzzle and yes sometimes you're going to interchange some puzzle pieces as you grow and adapt but you need to have your puzzle put together and find someone with a complementary not the same 
but a complimentary puzzle that you can go, that's a beautiful puzzle. You have a beautiful puzzle. Let's have our puzzle sit together and look pretty together throughout life. And maybe we'll exchange some pieces here and there, but I will not fill a missing piece. <laughs> yeah. And that's the idea, right? Like my job is not to complete your life if I'm your partner. My job is to live my life and look at your life and go, that's really awesome. That's right. super great. Let's complement each other and our yeah. building our puzzles together. Yeah. One of the most powerful tools in relationship, and this is a, a little sidebar, but I think one of the most powerful tools in relationship is the phrase, I love that for you. Mm -hmm. It implies, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I love that journey for you. Go have fun. I always tell uh, clients and friends, um, him, her, or whatever pronouns preferable, and us. Yeah. So them, to, mine, us. <laughs> yeah. And to have that, right? Like have things in your relationship. I think this is fit fitting for the month of February, I think. Yes. Um, you know, have that in your relationship where you have time apart, where you can explore things mm -hmm. that you enjoy. And then time together where you can share things that you right. enjoy. And you need to be able to bring your own stories to the table, literally the dinner table. Yeah. And have dinner together regularly. Yeah. And also to be able to share time together, right? So it's like, for for example, there are certain things that I'm like, in my pursuit of a partner, are really important that are mm -hmm. shared. Um, one would be values around, you know, political issues, mm -hmm. values around, you know, religious issues or in my case lack thereof um i don't consider myself but i don't need to go into that no. uh, i consider myself agnostic we'll just leave that there there's a lot there but we'll just leave it there um but share there's certain values that are important sure. to share and certain Others? pastimes right i don't want to yeah. date somebody who's like i want to go out to the club all the time mm -hmm. because that's not me i get a panic mm -hmm. attack when i go out to the club all the time i don't like it um instead i want somebody who's going to enjoy some of the things that i enjoy but who's also open to exploring things that I like that they don't like. And similarly, from mm -hmm. my perspective, right? If somebody goes, I really like, you know, I really want to go show you snorkeling and figure that out. Like, cool, I'll try that out. Yeah, basic mm -hmm. gist being that you need time apart, you need time together, and you need to have a balance of the two. If you're going to maneuver that. But we're getting Absolutely. off topic as we're talking about relationships we're in general. We're having tangents. Rather than my poor client who can't have a relationship ever. <laughs> right. Um, and and I can say, like, having conversations with clients regarding sex and sexual intimacy and sexual experiences, there it, it's not the same as talking about it with your friends. Um, and there has to be healthy boundaries there. And don't, just because you have, let's say, the same gender expression, and or the same working bits as your client does not mean that they have the same comfort level as you talking about this. So matching their comfort level regardless. And if you do have opposite gender expression bits, whatever's, making sure that you don't come off as a way that makes them feel even more uncomfortable because they Absolutely. may not be used to having someone like I'm female talking about this with a man, male client or a male identifying client looks different than how I talk about it, maybe with a female identifying client. Absolutely. If you're dead. a therapist who wants to explore these conversations, go take some CEUs on sex therapy and yeah. get those tools and skill sets because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and in California, you need a specific, you need specific certification to do that. To be considered um, a sex therapist. So yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, if that's topics you want to yeah. talk about with people, you can go get the certification and have real strong boundaries. 
real strong boundaries. But then even with your client, that's not something that would come up right away per se, but having a basic check-in with yourself of where do you feel comfortable with having conversations about relationships to sexual relationships to intimate relationships, check in with yourself too. (laughs) What's your comfort level? Absolutely. I think that's a big part of being a therapist in general is just knowing yourself. Yeah. Knowing what you're comfortable talking about and that kind of stuff. Well, and I don't think we actually got to this question Mm. yet, but why? (laughs) Why? Yeah. Uh, Why Calypso? I think a big portion of, uh, well, first of all, it's February, which means it's everybody's favorite Hallmark holiday. Um, Singles Awareness Day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Or uh, Desperation Day, depending (laughs) on which one you celebrate, uh, or Valentine's Day. Um, single and there's, there's liberation day in single liberation day. i do like that one i do yes. like that one that's a lot better but like you know this idea of like relationship and love and finding fulfillment in another person is very big this time of year and i think going back to the idea of like you can find fulfillment on your own mm-hmm. uh and here here is calypso who is cursed to have to have a life where she does not have a partner and it's like that's not really a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a curse that the gods keep sending you people that you're like, wow, that, that person's hot as hell. Oh, they're right. gone. That sucks. That part really sucks. But, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise, living your life alone and having a fulfilling life on your own is very easy to do if you step outside of the cultural norm of you need mm-hmm. a partner to be happy. And so I love talking about that. One, because as we kind of sidebarred, it's a really healthy mindset to go into when you have a relationship or when you don't have a relationship. Right. You're not feeling super clingy to the other person because you know, if this thing ends, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine. And it's a good mindset to have. Right. Absolutely. And just to like throw it out there too, for any listener, like if you feel like you're the person who's better in a relationship, that's okay too. <laughs> um, you know, just as long as you feel confident and you know who you are and where your boundary needs are, have open as i tell all my clients just have open consensual conversations regularly yeah <laughs> with yourself and, or with others yeah and that's definitely the thing where i'm not messaging and saying like being in a relationship is bad you shouldn't no. want that it's uh-huh. more so about the societal pressure yes. around that yes. where people are kind of told you have less value because you're not married mm-hmm. or in a relationship absolutely absolutely so thank you for all of that mm. Because you know what society does send out a lot of messages. And and most you, of them are terrible. Most of them are terrible. And with that, we'll end your client's uh, time. And we'll be taking a short break, returning with more Stories with Strength. Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about Greek mythological figures. I just wrapped up talking about Calypso. And Jen, I believe you too have a new client. I do. And we're not doing telehealth. In fact, we get to meet in person in the afterlife. 
That's right. We are going to go full on Beetlejuice up here because I'm dead. She's dead. And we're doing therapy in the afterlife, y'all. And why not? It's Greek myth. Let's have some fun with it. But I am working with a um, female was mortal Gorgon. And she is coming to me to talk about her experiences as a mortal and then somewhat after and the amount of hate she got for kind of just being herself and not really understanding what happened to her and why it had to happen to her and her very traumatic life um and well, the experiences she went through because the gods kind of had it out for her as so many mortals have it but um and i'm just going to put a little precursor on this greek names are hard to pronounce i'm gonna butcher all of them Thumbs up, y'all. Cool. Um, but I am working again with a female, probably in her 20s-ish, probably younger, knowing Greek mythology, and Gorgon named Medusa. And she is the daughter of two sea gods. I'm going to go for it. Fornices and Ceto. Cool. And she has three, two other sisters. Um, her two sisters were born of dreadful and fearsome beast looking and she was born a beautiful mortal she was the exception in the family and uh, she got the favor of the gods she was known to have the beautifulest of hair and she's coming in talking about first what it's like to be so different from your family and to feel the pressure of being different in this language of she was quote unquote the pretty one and she you know it's getting favor from the gods and being seen as different and probably getting bullied on by her sisters because of it and um what it was like again to be the exception in the family for this particular trait and um she had caught the attention of poseidon and poseidon shared the admiration of her took her off to Athena's temple where she uh, had an affair with him inside the temple. This enraged Athena and transformed her, transformed what she said into the hideous monster that was worse than anything that my family could have predicted because I was, my hair was transformed into snakes. Uh, I have been depicted to have boar-like tusks and a long tongue and worse off Anytime someone looked at me, they turned to stone, which led to a life of needing to isolate or be considered a weapon and what that was like for her. So again, if we just kind of are processing her narrative together in therapy, what it was like to be forced to have an affair with one of the gods. Um, and she did report getting pregnant from this affair and what it was like to then be cast aside so we're talking probably sexual assault so we can definitely put a warning at the beginning of this episode um and uh we're talking about uh that experience for her and then to basically and i'm gonna say it crassly because this is probably how she felt in the moment to be slut shamed and i ha was forced to have this affair i was not I didn't pick the location and all of a sudden Athena is pissed off at me because I had sex in her temple and the consequence was she turned me into this hideous beast 
And I think there's some underlining cultural narratives there about girls who have sex. But let's, you know, talk about that one later. Um, and what was it like to have that transformation? What was it like to then be considered a weapon and be hideous and to turn people into stone and constantly have that fear of what if someone looked at me? And she had to deal with that reality and live in that reality um she then reports that um some king which i'm not going to attempt the name of uh sent this hero out as a way to get rid of him and i was just kind of a pawn in this game because no one can kill me i'm you know so horrifically horrible um you can't even get to me without turning to stone uh, so i became a pawn in this game to try to kill off this hero and he got the help of Athena and Hermes uh, to figure out where I was and cut off my head while I was sleeping. Um, from there, weirdly enough, my kids were born from my neck. But even after that, they violated my body by stealing my head. So my family couldn't even properly mourn me. And uh, I was then used as a weapon on multiple occasions that hero dude went back, killed the king, and then gave Athena my head, and she used it for all her little manipulative games as well. So, again, processing this narrative with her from the point of view of the afterlife, of her just trying to figure out how she got to this point, and giving her a space to literally be seen, to feel safe, to talk to someone and be seen by somebody, and to say that you weren't the bad guy in a story that everyone made you out to be the bad guy in, that you were a victim and find empowerment through like post-traumatic growth narratives of ways that we don't have to shame ourselves for the circumstances others put us in. And so often with clients, I talk about like, if we have the information we had now, looking back, we can't shame that person for not having that information. So that idea of like, you know, younger you who went off with Poseidon, you could not have predicted all the things that were going to happen to you afterwards. So it is not that young girl's fault for where you ended up today. And you don't need to shame yourself for those events. We are allowed to be angry and frustrated and quote, quote unquote, cursed like throughout those events and because of those events but we don't need to shame ourselves we can give ourselves the compassion that that child needed at the time and give ourselves a way to find some meaning from her events and ways that uh how to redefine our legacy, even if it's just for ourselves. We don't always get to control the narrative that other people have about us, but we can control the narrative we hold about ourselves. And we don't have to agree with someone else's narrative. We can not, as I would say, like, you know, other people are going to gaslight us and just say that we're this hideous monster that caused all this trouble. Let's not gaslight ourselves, though. And what do we know as our truth? And then how to come to terms with the fact that we can't change other people's truths about ourselves. And that we can only control ourselves in our narrative of our story. Um, and how to take ownership in the afterlife 
of our story together and give her give her space to just be her again not the monster everyone makes her out to be and a lot of it is just going to be you know probably client-centered therapy of just giving her space maybe challenging some all-or-nothing thinking patterns reauthoring a narrative um, this would probably be long-term therapy uh, you know it might be you know whatever events are coming up in the afterlife that day for her we might talk about more than her primary narrative but I, I would want our initial goal is for her to feel safe and seen and heard in the room during a time where she has not literally been safe to be seen or heard or listened to for most of her life and that would be my time with Medusa Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I particularly like this this mythological character a lot. She's mm -hmm. pretty great. Um, and yeah, as you said, I think there's a lot of cultural stuff that comes up when you talk about this particular story. <laughs> yes. um, that, you know, the fact that Athena is the one who's responsible for turning her into a monster, but like Poseidon knew what he was doing and mm -hmm. like th there's a lot of stuff in here that's really icky as far as this whole story is concerned right um and then from that point forward just being seen as a monster and a weapon is mm -hmm. like such a not great lot in life and right. how do we maneuver that into you know like maybe we take your story back into your own hands rather than mm -hmm. uh letting this be the story that you are known as right uh or as as we love to hear from our good buddy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Who tells your story. You do. Yeah. You get to tell your story. Exactly. And yeah, there's so much like godly manipulation that happens in her narrative. And I didn't know mm -hmm. everything about Medusa before this episode. So it was cool to read more about her as a mythological like character and like her narrative in all of this. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I was like figuring out who to to talk on, um, her narrative was just so juicy. <laughs> yeah, yes, very much uh, full of <laughs> full of drama that yes. that story, but in a really good way. Yes, awesome. Well, I asked the question, didn't I? No, you did not. Ah, good. I haven't asked the question yet. Uh, so Jen, what made you choose Medusa? So again, part of it was like. She has a pretty cool story as I was researching the different peoples. But then um, I was kind of like flipping back and forth. And I really like the idea of, you know, like so often one girls are made to be the bad guy and, you know, mm -hmm. finding someone who legitimately did nothing wrong. And yet she is a villain. Yeah, she is. And even like in depictions of Medusa's nowadays, she's always the bad guy. Yeah. Right. And uh, that petrification dynamic. But um, it would be interesting to like, you know, the idea of like the villain isn't the villain of the story. It's everyone else. Yeah. And, uh, especially with the narrative of like, I was sexually assaulted. Yeah. I was manipulated by the gods. And now all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. Screw that. And yeah. to be able to like speak to that narrative a little bit. I liked. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank yeah. you all for listening uh yeah if you want more of us listen to more episodes it's great <laughs> we've been doing this thing for a couple of years now please go listen to the backlog it's all fun 
Uh, also tell your friends if you enjoy your time spent with us. Uh, word of mouth is honestly the best way to spread the news about us. And follow us over on Instagram at stories with shrinks, where we post things about new episodes. We post mental health awareness things. And by we, I do mean Jen. Uh, and, uh, and by Jen, he means when Jen remembers to. Yeah. Or feels like it. And or yeah. feels like, it. uh, remember that we're both busy professionals. So we're not super consistent on lots of stuff, but if you enjoy we're us, there. give us a follow and we are there. Other than that, just take care of yourselves, everyone. Bye, y'all. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. Mm-hmm.